Good morning. Or is it good afternoon? Good, anyway. Provost Rebecca, thank you for your welcome. You and your team have been so welcoming to me. I'm very grateful. My wife was present at the, um, the 10 o'clock service this morning and thoroughly enjoyed being part of your church family. So uh, thank you for that. I'm, I'm pleased that you reminded me I'm married to one wife. I'm glad you told me this. Uh, it, is, it is enough. Oh. It's a great thing. And Janet and I have been married now for 41 years. And uh, we're, thank you, yeah. We're delighted to be able to be traveling together uh, in different places. Uh, a, a lot of my work is uh, on the interface between uh, faith, the Bible, and different sectors of society. So the Bible and medicine, the Bible and government, the Bible and politics, the Bible and business, and so on. And I love the opportunity to travel, uh, and in Uganda particularly, uh, I'm here because I'm the patron of an organization called Viva, which works with children at risk around the world. And our role is really to see the most vulnerable members of our society, uh, probably uh, in families, and to be raised in the best possible way. And so to advocate with governments uh, to make sure that the best possible outcomes for children happen. I love being here. Uh, in Uganda, it's a real energizing thing for me. I've said this at both the services this morning. Uh, I love being here and the raw energy of the choir and the musicians and the singing of the congregation. It's, whoa, I really appreciate that enormously. And sometimes when I'm at home preaching in the UK, I look out on the congregation and I am wondering if they have all died because they seem to be so silent and so stationary that the passion and energy you have displayed uh, is not usually present. So I'm ever so grateful for the worship of the morning, for the singing, and for the praying, and for the energy towards our great God. So I'm here this morning uh, as a husband and a father of three, uh, and a grandfather of five. And I'm very pleased about that. Uh, I can see many of you uh, are uh, blessed by that news. Now, I'm going to tell you one more thing. And this will make some of you very happy and the rest of you very sad. I am a Manchester United supporter. Okay, so I just am telling you this. Because some of you will be very pleased and now will listen to me very carefully. Others of you are about to leave before I start. Because you're not sure you want to listen to someone who supports that team. Okay. But I'll tell you whose team we do support. The team of Jesus Christ that we are all part of this morning. All those who love him and follow him and serve him. We are part of that group. We're in the book of Ephesians. Our theme is about the God who is far above all rule and authority. And uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to a small group of believers in a very big city. Not the capital of the Roman Empire, that's Rome, but the capital of the region. It's a place of military power, political life, trade and business. And sadly... The capital of the worship 
of a goddess called Diana, sometimes called Artemis, Diana of the Ephesians. Her cult was based around an inappropriate use of sex and sexuality and was a dominant feature of the Ephesus culture. Everywhere those Christians went, they would see statues to Diana and women dressed in the priestly robes of Diana. And imagine how intimidating that felt to the church because they were always being confronted with signs of a false religion, of a demonic power leading people into sin and failure and error. And they were a small church just starting, following Jesus, working out how to be the church. And so Paul writing to them, wants to tell them that they have a power far greater than the power of Diana. A power far greater than any cult or sect. A power far greater than the military and political authorities of Ephesus. A greater power than anything. Because he wants to encourage them. And I hope you'll be encouraged this morning by these words. So how does he begin this section of Ephesians? With good news for the church of Jesus. This is what he says. For this reason, ever since I heard about two things, your faith in Jesus and your love for all the saints. And I want to encourage you this morning. Not everybody in Kampala will follow the Jesus we follow. And even some who say they do, do not in practice do it. So thank you for your faith in Jesus Christ and gathering together at church this morning. Thank you for being here at All Saints to celebrate your faith. Please just tap gently the person next to you and say, thank you for your faith. (laughs) How encouraging is that? Thank you. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your faith. And then thank you for your love, he says. Your love for the saints. Now that's important. Because love for God is sometimes quite easy. We can't see God. We know he's amazing, wonderful, all-powerful, all-knowing. We love him. But love for people is harder because people can be very annoying. Have you noticed that about people? They can be irritating. They can be irritating. I sometimes, years ago, used to prepare young couples for marriage. And sometimes... Uh, they would look at each other in my study and they couldn't take their eyes off each other. They were so in love. But they were in love with the idea of being in love, not with the person. And I had to say to them, actually, there are days in the future when this lady will annoy you. And the boys would always look at me and go, no, it's never possible. And you'd say to the young girl, this man may not always be as sweet as he's being right now. And they'd go, oh no. Because they were in love with the idea of being in love. But Paul says to the Ephesians, I thank you for your love for one another because they knew each other pretty well. The test of love is not loving someone you don't know, it's loving someone you do know with all their faults and errors and mistakes. So thank you, church at All Saints, for loving one another. It's the basis for good, godly mission activity. So Paul says, appreciate your faith in Jesus. That's how you got started as a church. 
And the fact that you love one another is a wonderful basis for your activity together. And so I'm going to keep on praying for you. Verse 17, I keep asking the God and Father of our Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, in our prayers, the release of the power to defeat the rulers and authorities comes as we pray corporately and individually for one another. It's released through the power of prayer. And so Paul says, I keep on praying for you. I don't just pray for you and then forget. That's a prayer. Paul says, and and interesting, the original language, common Greek in this passage, emphasizes that with the verbs it uses. I go on, I keep on, I'm praying for you again and again and again. I agonize for you that God will move in you. I love the prayers you pray publicly here in Uganda. Uh, uh, Provost Rebecca, thank you for the passion with which you prayed a few moments ago. The sheer energy of what you want to happen. Sometimes prayers seem to me uh, to be legalistic and and, uh, a repeating of phrases. Thank you for your sheer energy of prayer in the prayer you prayed a few moments ago. Brothers and sisters, amen. Yes, you may. Please give the provost a round of applause. Our prayers are like Paul's if they're going to be effective to see power released. They've got to be continual. Keep on praying for one another for power to be released. Some of us have been Christians for so long that the sheer energy has gone out of our prayer life. You know, one of the things I love about coming to Uganda is that there are certain circumstances in which my prayer life is motivated and encouraged. Every time I get on the back of a Boda Boda, my prayer life increases. I mean, it increases a lot. And I don't just pray once when I get on. I pray the whole way. (laughs) Dear Lord, may this Boda Boda driver stop when the light is red. (laughs) May this Boda Boda driver not run over a policeman. May he stay on the road and not kill pedestrians on the path. So I pray all the way because I'm certainly motivated to keep on praying until I finally get off. (laughs) Safe at last. Brothers and sisters, keeping on praying. Not just once. So Paul says, I'm keeping on. I continually pray for you, Ephesian church, that you will receive all that God has for you in this difficult situation, that the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding so you would know him better. And I pray, notice something else he's praying for, that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that the eyes will be opened. How we need that insight from the Holy Spirit. Look at my eyes. I'm looking at my Bible. It is a blur. I I can't read the words to you I, I, they, they all blur together but what if I do this I I can read them this is because I'm getting old and some of you understand that because you're getting old too 
And you need these. And some young people are sitting here and they say, oh, that man, that preacher must be so old. And I want to tell you, young people, your time will come. It's coming. See, I need these because to make the blurry thing clear. And God wants to open the eyes of our hearts, remove the problems with our eyes, give us Holy Spirit spectacles to see the world as only he can see it with his power and truth and love revealed because he wants them to know that they have glorious riches, verse 18, because it's your inheritance with the saints. The inheritance, wow. How do you get an inheritance, by the way? Somebody has to die. My mother is still alive. She's over 90 And uh, my father, who died a few years ago, left her an inheritance, some money. And she has got some money. And I saw her the other day. She doesn't live near me, but I I, I went to see her. She gave me a little kiss, and she said, Son, I'm doing my best to spend all your inheritance. And I said, Go ahead, Mum, spend it all. You can't get an inheritance until somebody dies. But my brothers and sisters, I have amazing news. 2,000 years ago, somebody died. Somebody died. And on that cross, when he died, he released the power of the most amazing inheritance, the glorious riches of God forever. It was released through his death. And we are all inheritors of that death the glorious riches that comes from him and the incomparably great power in us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. Paul uses three words here that could be translated power. What you get as your inheritance as you face the dark principalities and powers is power followed by power followed by power. The amazing working of his great power. Power. He keeps repeating the phrase so that we know what we're getting. The power of God. Now, there are all sorts of powers. The power of electricity, which fuels amplification. You are watching me on screen, some of you, in a tent or elsewhere, by the power of the internet, also fueled by electricity. The heat and the light outside is powered by the sun. We're familiar with all sorts of power. But what we know, our secret here this morning, in this church building, in 2023, is that we have available to us the greatest power the world has ever seen. The greatest power. That powerful, powerful power that Paul talks about. And then he doesn't leave us guessing as to what the power is to overcome these dark forces. He said, it's the working of his mighty power, verse 20, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, high above all power and dominion and every title, not just in the present age, but in the one to come. Now, when we think about powers, dark powers, we sometimes think of uh, the power of the witch doctor or the power of an occult demonic force and of course that is a power that Jesus victory is over 
And there are individuals who have been so captured by Satan, they need his deliverance. But this passage is about far more than that. It's about all the power structures that there are that oppress the poor and the needy and the broken. Sometimes it's the power of a military machine. Sometimes it's the power of an economic system. Sometimes it's the power of a political process. It's anything which oppresses human beings. And God gives us a power this morning by the power of his spirit and inheritance to be those who live our lives conquering dark powers. Any power that oppresses babies and children, the young ones in our society, that abuses women in vast numbers around the world, that keeps the poor impoverished and hurting and in pain and broken, and a whole range of other agenda items. The dark powers love it when people are in pain, and God hates it, and he longs for us to be agents of deliverance. And how do we do that? Is it because we're clever or intelligent or big? <laughs> If you look at me, I think you can tell that I'm not the tallest person in church this morning, right? I remember working some years ago with a basketball team in America. I spent my entire time doing this. I'm not the tallest person in the world. Years ago, I shared a, many conference platforms with a Christian leader who was nearly seven feet tall. And they always sat us together. I don't know why. And they always only gave us one hymn book. And so we used to share a hymn book. I could never read it. Because he was so far above me up here. Some people here feel they've got tremendous power. And if you do, thank God for you. If you're a government minister, if you're a chief of police, if you're senior in the military, if you're the chief executive of a company, if you're the principal of a school, if you are in any way a leader, thank God for you. Please use your power empowered by him with both your life and your leadership authority. But for many of us, we don't feel that powerful. We feel like we're short compared with tall people. We feel like we've got no influence compared with the big structures of the day. This is why this passage is important. Because for every man and woman and boy and girl here who names the name of Jesus, we go from this place empowered with a greater power than anything. And it's the power, Paul says, that raised Jesus from the dead. So Jesus isn't dead He's not just living on in some form of influence. He's alive and he wants his power to be in us as we resist evil and, the, and Satan and all his work empowered by this same power that raised Jesus from the tomb. Isn't that amazing? That same power that raised Jesus from the dead. No other power is like it. No other power comes close. And so we go from this place in a few minutes' time with a new confidence that whatever powers are ranged against us, wherever they're from, however dark they appear, or whatever form they appear in, the church of Jesus is the place of resurrection power. Power that raised Jesus from the dead. So go from this place full of love for one another, certain in faith in Jesus Christ, 
prayerful continually for one another. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I can see only what you can see, not just what I can see with my physical eyes. And help me receive the full riches of the inheritance you have for me by your death on the cross and to go from this place in the power of the resurrection to live for you, defeating all evil powers, wherever they may be and in what a form, whatever form they find themselves. Filled with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his risen life, whoever I am, the intelligent, the not so intelligent, the young, the old, the men, the women, the people with significant roles, the people with hardly any role at all, go in the name of the risen Christ because he, he is over all other powers. Not just in this age, Paul says, but in the age to come because the day is coming. The day is coming. And Jesus won't need to be over every power. Because the devil and all his demons will have been thrown into a fiery pit and destroyed. And so he will reign alone, without enemies, forever and ever. And we are part of that process, defeating evil as we live now in preparation for the day when all evil will be done. So go in the name of Christ. Go into the shop, the home, the office, the street, empowered knowing this, whatever we look like on the outside, as Christian believers, we carry with us the power of a Jesus who is not dead, but alive. Amen. Let's just bow our heads and reflect on this message. Just take a few moments to think about this power. Think about the authority that Jesus has over you. And think about moments when you have felt so powerless. And maybe sometimes you have done something which is contrary because you thought you were so powerless and you need to seek another power. It is possible that you have consulted somewhere, thinking there is more power somewhere than the power of Jesus. It is possible that you've lost the way in one way or the other. It is possible that in your office there is another power that rules. It is also possible that you have thought about yourself as a power. And there is no other power that can uproot you. This afternoon, it is our prayer that you submit to Jesus, who is above all rule, above all authority. It is possible tonight that you can submit to Jesus and allow him to give you the confidence to know that the power that raised him from the dead is available for you. That is the power that draws us from sin. And sin is what holds us comfortable not to give our lives to Jesus. And this afternoon, that power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead can be the same power that can raise someone from the dungeon of sin this afternoon. And you lift your heart to say, yes, Jesus, this afternoon I love you. I am empty without you. I am powerless without you. 
I need you to come into my life. I need you to come into my family. I need you to come into my office. I need you, Jesus. I have been lost. I've been depending on different powers. But now I know. The Ephesians had the power of Diana planted all over. And it could easily intimidate them. But Paul presented Jesus to them. More powerful than the statues that they had been worshipping. This afternoon you have Jesus more powerful than anything that you have submitted to. And friends, I want to give you an opportunity. It is possible that you are here and you are powerless and you've never given your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. You are stuck in your own ways. This afternoon you have an opportunity. You can surrender your life to Jesus. You can say, yes, Lord, I want to give you my life. And with our eyes closed, I just want to see that one person who is saying, I need Jesus in my life. I have ruled my own life. I have controlled my office. I have controlled my family. I have controlled my estate. I have controlled my children. But today... I need to invite the power of Jesus to take over. If you are there, just raise your hand. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you that Jesus is able to control. He's able to take over. He's able to reign. Jesus is able to rule. You have tried to do so many things. You have tried to build houses. You've tried to buy cars. You've tried everything. You have been in charge. But you realize today that you are not in control because things are falling apart and you're saying, God, what is this? Why are things falling apart? You just need Jesus in your life today. Just surrender to him and say, yes, Lord. I am weak without you. I'm sick without you. I'm tired without you. I want you to reign in my life today. You are my Lord and my Savior. You just want to make that very clear. Maybe you've been walking. Maybe you just knew him in your heart. You've never confessed to him. You've never told anyone about your love for Jesus. And today you want to conquer that. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available for you. And you just want to surrender that to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, our Father and our God. We just give ourselves to you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the souls that you have touched, for the hearts that have yielded to you, for the lives that have been renewed today. God, we give you thanks. Our Father and our God, we give you thanks for your word that has come with clarity. Thank you for our brother Stephen and for the way in which you have used him to declare your word Father, we pray that this word will continue to be um, alive in our hearts, that, Lord, our eyes will be opened, our ears will open to hear, our minds will be set free, Lord, that, Father, will understand the great inheritance that you left for us 200, 2,000 years ago, and today we sail in that inheritance, and it is an eternal inheritance. God, we thank you. What a wonderful thing. What a favor. What a greater love that you have bestowed upon us. 
We give you thanks, glory, and honor. We give you praise for this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Give a mighty hand clap to the Lord.